Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's a Wednesday on Fantasy Sports today. We're halfway through the work week and less than 36 hours from the next football game being played on Thursday night. We'll also recap what's going on in the American League and National League Championship Series as we are one step closer to the World Series as well. And Fantasy Sports today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on this Wednesday, October 16, 2019. Follow us on Twitter at Craig Mish at Joe Pizzapia 17 is hopefully give you some good tips as to how to keep going in your fantasy league. Those of you who are doing well, keep it going. Those of you who are doing poorly, we'll try to give you some help. But first and foremost, Joe, an exciting night, I thought, especially in baseball yesterday. Two games, one in the afternoon. One in the evening, and especially the evening game, turned out to be a relatively easy go of it for the Washington Nationals, who for the first time in franchise history are headed toward the World Series. It was over before it started. Kind of how the Cardinals knocked out the Braves before that game started in their deciding game. Uh, But simply put, the Nationals are the team right now in baseball. They're the hot team. They're the team that you don't want to face. And I would tell you that I hope for Houston's point of view, they get their series done with the Yankees relatively quickly because they are going to need Garrett Cole three times, I think, in that seven-game series. But uh, Nationals clearly uh, just took the Cardinals to the woodshed in this series and knocked them right out. One might even say they are the team of destiny, perhaps. And look, it's, it certainly was over before it started. Uh, Daniel Hudson, who had a, a surprisingly good year, uh, kind of out of nowhere, but uh, was not his night, and the ballpark was rocking. And, and maybe I haven't watched enough Nats games. Could you explain the whole baby shark thing with Gerardo Parra to me? When did this become such a big thing? How did this happen? Did I miss this? People are dressed up as sharks. I don't know. I kind of miss this. I've been in football for the last couple months. No problem. A couple things. Dakota Hudson, first of all. Dakota Hudson. I'm sorry. Not Daniel Hudson. For St. Louis. My bad. Daniel Hudson Hudson is on Washington and had actually had a surprising good year, too. So you're not wrong about that. Dakota Hudson, young pitcher, very good year, uh, very strong season, but obviously did not yeah, go his a, way. Good, good year, a little bit overrated because that's the strikeout know, rate's not as yeah. He's going to get hit next year a little bit more. Um, as far as uh, the baby shark, Rado Parra, who started off the season with the Giants, uh, got you know batted about one fifty, got knocked out pretty quickly, and cut, picked up by the Washington Nationals, and his walk up music for whatever reason in Washington ended up being the baby shark song. So that's kind of how it caught on from about mid season on. And so that is, that has been their MO song and that's kind of how it happens, Joe. It's like the rally monkey with the angels and you know how different songs take fire uh, like Gloria did in the NHL Stanley cup with St. Louis, like, and, and now the nationals have, have used that as their kind of fight song, which is bizarre, no doubt, but it is, it is basically backing uh, Gerardo Parra. And it's, it's, he, it was a weird thing to see. 
50,000 fans doing the shark thing at the same time. And, yeah. and yeah. it was kind of cool in a way because it was, it was rhythmic and they were very into it. And it was kind of like, I was like, this is kind of exciting, but it's funny to have such a gimmick around a guy who, you know, was basically a bench player. <laughs> I mean, Not even, he was cut completely by the giants. He was, yeah, he was, he was but, signed I mean, to be their starting outfielder. Right. And failed. And then went to Washington as an extra guy, not even a, right. a player at all, and actually performed fairly well for them. And now has, has found a role. And who knows what happens in the future? But he's definitely one of the reasons why they're in the world. Uh, they're in the World Series, no doubt. He played a very big role for them, and he was dancing with Strasburg afterwards in the clubhouse. To uh, look, it's good for the Nats. I always wonder, and I always worry about teams that have a layoff because today there's going to be significant rain here in the New York area. So I, I would be shocked if they got that game in. And that's going to push everything back another day, which is good in a way for the, both teams because they get their better pitchers probably lined up going forward after this, depending on how long the series goes. But the Nats will have to wait quite a long time here to uh, get a piece of either of these teams. I did watch some of the Yankee game and uh, Garrett Cole was Garrett Cole. I mean, it's like he got into that one little bit of trouble there with Encarnacion and then got out of it. And uh, Didi just missed that dinger. I mean, just missed it as close as you could possibly get. But um, look, all said and done. It's another W for the Astros. We talked about it yesterday, Craig, right? This was a game that if you won, they could really spin the series in a different way. But uh, now, now the Yankees got to uh, find a different way to go about it. No, and they're not going to beat Garrett Cole. So it, it comes down to this, the next game for them. They have to pretty much win because if Houston goes up 3-1 and has Cole for one other game in the series, it's over. And I also think for, from Washington's point of view, if they have to face Cole three times, which it would set up that way, Especially if they got a rain out today, that would be really bad news uh, for the Nationals to have to think this get this extended. By the way, the World Series starts on Tuesday, so uh, and look, Verlander certainly is great, and Granke is certainly great, and Will Harris has pitched well, and and Osuna has pitched well. But Garrett Cole is a game changing type player. This happens in the postseason. We've seen it before with Bumgarner, Josh Beckett, other pitchers, and the Cole Hamels pitchers in the past. That when you get the hot pitcher and you ride him three times, you win. And, uh, and Charlie Morton in Houston also in the past. So if, if this ends up being the case, I could only side with Houston. I'm not really worried about a layoff for Washington because, again, they have the pitching on their side too. But this is this is one of the most historical dominating performances that we've seen from any pitcher in history. So if, you, uh, if, if this continues, I, I don't give the Nationals uh, – I give them a chance certainly to win, but I, I don't think that they would beat Houston. If Houston do you did. kind of miss the World Series starting a little earlier? Because I saw in like my Facebook feed a, a memory pop up of you know this day in baseball kind of thing, and it was the Kirk Gibson home run, and I was like, oh wow, it's like a whole. Well, week there was no wild card earlier. So no, I know there was no wild yeah. card, but again, I, I know the season is so long. I just wish we could change the Major League Baseball season to have some of that, some of those games kind of scaled back in regular season and add more playoffs because the playoffs have been so good. I just wish more people were able to see them in August and September and get into it then and then kind of wrap up by August, October and early October instead of going as late yeah, as we that's do never going to change. Yeah, football is always going to, uh, you know, a, a random football game on a Thursday night is going to outdo the World Series. It's going to outdo the postseason. It's just that's never going to change. I mean, the games are on Fox Sports 1. But we grew so, up in a time where that wasn't the case. No, but it's over, though. It's over. That, those days are not bringing back to baseball. That's sad. That, that's a little sad. Yeah, but it's me. just a reality of, of where we live. People, football is by far the dominant sport. It's never going to change, but there'll always be a market for baseball and there'll always be you know you know a market for fans who love the game but it's never going to come close to, to what football is and you could put jacksonville tennessee on thursday night it will it will probably outdo uh game one of the world series it's just the nature of the world that we live in now and that's fine you know you gotta you gotta just understand the world has changed football is is the most popular there isn't anything close and and trying to fight back for baseball in that realm is never going to happen fantasy is a different story for me and i still think that we are punting way too early on how we cover baseball and how baseball is done 
But that is up to us to continue to have that ball rolling, and that's what we're trying to do here on this show. Uh, as far as uh, football is concerned, real quick, Joe, the biggest news from yesterday, very bizarre way that the Tennessee Titans decided to do this by posting on their social media account two days ago that a decision is coming down on their quarterbacks. Like, why even do that from their personal social media? I don't know. Delaney Walker, the tight end, popped back at their own social media saying, why in the world will we be doing this and promoting that we're benching a quarterback? But needless to say, Ryan Tannehill gets the start this week. Uh, in the guillotine league last night, no one picked him up whatsoever. I don't know that anybody would start him in a 12-team league. Would you, Joe, this week? Ryan Tannehill? No. no. There's got to be a better option on the waiver wire in a 12-team league than Ryan Tannehill. In a secondary quarterback league, you might not have a choice because you have four teams on a bye this week. So you might have, uh, between the injuries of quarterback and the bye weeks now, especially a heavy bye week where it's not just two teams where it's four, you might be in that kind of situation where you might have to do that. So I can understand it. I certainly don't love it, but you can certainly understand where that's coming from. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up next, we'll get into the opening drive. We had a trade in the NFL yesterday. Also, Jay Gruden talking a little bit on a national radio show. Maybe get some insight a little bit on the uh, the Washington Redskins. Plus, we got our Trust or Bust segment, Waiver Wire Wednesday. Plenty more to get to. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig, this show, he's a PNL go DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First Play from Scrimmage The Opening Drive. The first play of the game. It is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports today. It is a Wednesday, so practice reports are going to come out. We got a lot to dive into on the waiver wire this week. This, ironically, may turn out to be one of the biggest waiver wires of the season, and that doesn't usually happen in mid-October, but there are definitely some questionable running backs and bye weeks, so we'll get to that in a second. But let's start off with the big trade in the NFL. And indeed, Jalen Ramsey worked his way out of Jacksonville. And he ends up going to the L.A. Rams. The Rams are in it to win it right now. And that certainly is a good sign for Les Snead and, and Sean McVay. They end up also trading Marcus Peters, which should have been a, a, a signal that something was going to happen, although Peters has not been nearly the player that he was years ago. They get Ramsey, and that and, and not having Tlaib and not having Peters, uh, the, the Rams clearly, Joe, had to do something. Jacksonville now will try and pick up the pieces there. But look, Ramsey made it pretty clear he did not want to play with the Jaguars anymore. He ends up winning this battle. Another battle going to the side of the player, in this case, as opposed to the team. Uh, and and now we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. But what are your thoughts on, on this deal as Jacksonville certainly is going to end up helping themselves in the long term, getting a couple first round picks? Uh, shocking to me. is that, that was the first thing. I, I'm shocked that the Jaguars gave in. 
I think it was a stupid move by the Jaguars. I've been here for weeks saying they shouldn't do this. This is incredibly dumb. You don't give up talent like Jalen Ramsey. Now, look, they did get a first round pick. So good job by them to get the high price that they wanted. So in terms of return on value, they got it. And that's great. But I just I just think those guys don't grow on trees and you don't want to move them. And from the Rams standpoint, it's kind of curious, too, because they lost a key to which is the other part of this cornerback equation. I don't think you mentioned where he's out now. He's on IR. Then they traded Peters. I'm thinking to myself, where are they going with this? And then obviously, you know where they're going with this. They're making room for Jalen Ramsey and they bring him in. Look, they added more talent. They're still at a deficit because they're still down a corner, no matter which way you look at it. Not that Tlaib has played great this year at all. But at the same time, this is starting to reek of desperation for the Rams here. And the Rams, I think, have more problems on their offensive line. Matt Waldman just wrote a really good piece about that and uh, the way things are going there and not trying to hang everything on Jared Goff necessarily. But there's some other issues here at play that I don't know. This kind of reeks of desperation. I don't love I love the fact that they're bringing in the talent. I love they're being aggressive. But at the same time, I don't know if this cures the ills of this team because the ills of this team might not be curable. It might be the fact that we're in a world now where they can't run the ball the way they used to with Todd Gurley. And now the identity of this team has been stripped away. And I don't think replacing it with a guy like Jalen Ramsey being the identity of making it a defensive oriented team is going to happen overnight. And, and Tlaib, it wasn't really a factor at all for them this year. He wasn't a factor for them last year either. So I don't know no. that he's he's a huge uh, Not player. Not a huge loss, but just from the depth standpoint. Like, you're like, geez, you know, we're down already, and then we're going to trade Marcus Peters, and we're bringing Ramsey. I don't know. It just I mean, for, for the rest of this season, it is a great move for the Rams and probably even for next year. But for the future, giving up picks – is not always two the way first to go. Rounders. Yeah, two. Well, look, look. For some reason, this has been the mo. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick was a first round pick too. So, uh, look, teams want those corners, and certainly yeah, Ramsey. Two? He wasn't two first round. I mean, they gave up the twenty twenty and the twenty twenty one. Look, look. The the Rams are are in it to win it right now. They see a window. Their window is now. They've decided to go all in, and that's fine. Look, well, I, then I cannot be fault a team for week. doing that. Then Todd Gurley needs to be on the field next week because they have no. I mean. <laughs> You've got to move on like, from Todd Gurley. Buddy. Well, well but uh, the problem is I we we can move on from Todd Gurley. They can't. They need to. Why not? They, because <laughs> they don't have a solution because Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, Maybe. as much as we might like them I in don't fantasy, know. are not the solution. Oh, I don't football. know that Henderson is not the solution here. Uh, I don't know that he is. I'm not sold yet. Well, it's we intriguing as a fantasy option, but we're talking real I NFL think, games I here. Think, oh, I think he's got a chance to be a player in the NFL. I don't think Brown does, but I think Henderson does. I know All right, Brown so, isn't. Yeah, no, he's not. All right, uh, second down, Jennifer Aniston makes her first Instagram post of all time, and it is the most popular Instagram post in maybe forever. I don't know. Millions of likes here because she posted it with the cast of Friends. So I would ask you, Joe, do you think that this is a precursor to a reunion for the Friends crew? Uh, Well, yeah, I imagine they all need the money, right? They definitely could never have to do Sar- anything ever sarcasm. again. Yes. I mean, look, yeah, none of and and you know what? It's it's sad in a way for you know. It, there's that there's that thing as an artist, and I understand that where you have this massive success, and you're so fortunate to have massive success because so many artists struggle for their whole lives, and for the basically all of them, with the exception of Courtney Cox on a low level, they were all nobodies before this show. And they became mega stars, and now they're always going to be those characters, even though they've had some varied success. Jennifer Aniston probably more than others and other oh, things. Oh, she's had a lot of success. You know, Schumer's had some mild successes and some other stuff. He's actually a pretty good actor. Um, I think I think when they do the Trump movie, whatever it is, Schwimmer's going to play Michael Cohn. I think he's going to be amazing. That's my cast right there. But uh, I, I think the Jennifer Aniston oh, is great. It's it would be fun to have a Friends reunion. I like Friends. Everybody likes Friends, but 
my goodness, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lopez, all those Jennifers are aging into their 50s. Very, very well, Craig. Just want to say, say that. that. Yep, I would, I my would goodness. say that as well. No question. All right. Uh, third down, uh, Jay Gruden appeared on the Dan Lebitard show on ESPN Radio and made a lot of different comments to him about uh, basically playing golf this past week and was still rooting for the team. But the one intriguing comment, which leads me to believe that if indeed Washington only wins a game or two, is that Gruden Gruden clearly in this interview without coming out and saying it basically was saying that he did not want the team to draft Dwayne Haskins. Haskins, of course, in a very awful situation that he was put in earlier this year, didn't look good at all. And I would wonder, Joe, that when we get to that draft in 2020 and we're looking there in April, if I had to bet money, it would be that the Redskins take another quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. I'm not sold that they are sold on Dwayne Haskins. No, apparently not. But, I mean, they lost a coach over it, so somebody in the organization is is interested in Haskins. And I don't even know if the new head coach that comes in is going to have to be on board with Haskins to make that work. Certainly, their options are open because they suck so bad they're going to have more options at quarterback. And I'll tell you what, from the Gruden perspective, the more I think about it, Craig, the more I marinate on the Jay Gruden situation, the Jay Gruden saga I start to feel more and more like he's the guy that's going to be the Baker Mayfield best friend next year, that he's going to be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, that he's going to be the guy that they go to to get Baker Mayfield right and kind of be that quarterback dude, that quarterback guru for him. But look, I mean, I don't want to write Haskins off of one bad game where he got thrown in there in a bad situation. But at the same time, I understand the concerns. And if you if there's a lock quarterback that you can take with a first round pick next year, I think you do that. And there's teams, as we saw last year with the Miami Dolphins, there's teams out there that will take a shot on Haskins, who maybe finished 6-10 and 10 or whatever they finished, and will be looking for a quarterback of the future to at least try to groom. Yeah, I, I think that is a distinct possibility coming up here, and especially if the Redskins took a quarterback, traded Haskins for, let's say, a 2 or a 3, they'd lose a little bit of value in terms of draft pick if they could get the quarterback that they want. And by the way, in terms of Gruden, now you never know how things can change, and he absolutely could be a coach next year. But at least according in the interview, it did seem he did seem to indicate that he'd prefer to be in some media in the next uh, year or two. He wants to do that kind of like his brother did. But, you know, we'll see. A good opportunity could change his mind there. Uh, finally, this is uh, this is fourth down. Now, interesting story from uh, CNN here, Joe, that I read yesterday that Chipotle is trying to get competitive in the labor market and has decided that they're going to send some of their employees to college and reimbursing some college tuition depending on qualification and and management and things that they want to do. And so uh, this is just news for everybody out there who has kids. If it doesn't work out, Joe, if they don't get a scholarship, maybe you have them work at Chipotle and then they get themselves a little college degree. There's nothing wrong with working for a living. There's nothing wrong with that. I know McDonald's has some programs like this too with uh, education, tuition bonuses and stuff like that. You know, there's so many failures across. I mean, I don't want to get political here on the show because it makes Craig upset. But there's so many issues and so many things that we need to do a better job of from an education standpoint in this country. And if we're not going to do them on the federal side of things, then it's nice to see independent companies like this. And I think Chipotle is not really Mexican food. I, I, I love Mexican food. I, I tolerate Chipotle if I was in a bad situation where I was hungry and there was nothing around. But Chipotle, I'll have a burrito. It's fine. But um, I think it's a great job by them. And kind of necessary too because last couple of years they had some negative buzz with all like yeah, the they did. food yeah. poisoning thing so i think they could definitely use some good pr and it's going to help a lot of young people get out there and look there's nothing wrong with work ethic working for a living earning some money 
earning money for college and going out there and, uh, you know, having some big businesses help that and better our society. What's wrong with that? No, nothing. An interesting uh, story, I thought. Uh, I mean, imagine you're uh, you're putting guacamole on a burrito and then at night you're getting free tuition from uh, from Chipotle. Hey, that works uh, for me, not, man. Not a bad way to go. All right. Coming up next, it's time to dive into Trust or Bust for the week. We've got several names to go over. We'll do it next. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss Joe Pizapia. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Do you trust me? Trust. Do you trust me? Or bust. You are so busted. With the NBA season just around the corner, you can become Daily Roto's 8th Daily Fantasy Millionaire, dunk on your NBA DFS competition, and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with the DailyRoto.com optimizer and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with the promo code DUNK, D-U-N-K. Visit DailyRoto.com slash DUNK to learn more. That is DailyRoto.com slash dunk to get 10% off right now. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. We obviously have some great people behind that. Some of the best uh, NBA DFS people in the country. I will fully admit and be transparent with this, Joe. Uh, I am not nearly the NBA fan that I was in years past. Essentially, I decided years ago with everything going on and gambling coming on and baseball and football that I had to give something up and gave up the NBA. That was the one thing that I did. Can't watch those games anymore, Joe, at 2 o'clock in the morning between Portland and L.A. It's just not happening for me. No, I did. I, I was also a huge NBA fan. Somewhere between 1986 and the year 2000, just enormous NBA fan. And then something happened, I don't know, in the early 2000s where I just kind of lost my taste for it. Um, the style of the game had changed significantly, too, where there was a lot less you could do and defense kind of went away. And watching an NBA game now, like if you ever flip around, you see like the old school NBA games where they repeat them on the NBA channel. Um, it's amazing to watch like an old you know, Pistons Bulls game or a Bulls Knicks game and see how physical and how tough those games were. And then you flip on a game now and it's just like it's like a video game. Everyone just passing the ball and shooting threes. And it's not as fun. However, I am cautiously optimistic about this year in NBA because the talent has been dispersed a little bit more in the league. It's a little bit more NBA jam style, which I like where every team has a superstar too, instead of two teams having every superstar. I like this. I'm actually going to try to get into it. And my daughter uh, is becoming a uh, big into basketball. So I'm going to try to watch some games with her. Maybe those uh, the old Sunday double headers in the fall in February. That, that's what I want to get back to. Yeah, the Warriors win totals under 50. So yeah, clearly there's a chance that a lot of teams could be uh, having a chance to win, especially the Houston Rockets and, of course, the L.A. Clippers adding Kawhi and Paul George. But uh, for me, that was the one thing that I had to give up, especially the late-night uh, basketball. But that's coming fast and furious. And head on over to DailyRoto.com. Get yourself a subscription as the guys uh, knock it out of the park with that every single year. All right, uh, time for a little trust or bust in fantasy football. Then we'll do our waiver wire segment coming up in just a minute. Uh, let's start, Joe, with Thursday night. We'll throw some names out your way. We'll see if we can pick out some guys to trust or bust this week. We'll start off with the Broncos-Chiefs game, and let's start with Cortland Sutton of the Broncos, who 
Uh, when when he catches the ball and when he's open, I mean, this guy can catch a 40, 50-yard pass and get the targets and catch balls in the end zone, but it is tough to predict with this guy. It's And, and, and probably not his fault, talented kid, but that offense just runs the ball a lot. But Thursday night would seem to be a decent opportunity. Will it be one? Trust or bust? Cortland Sutton as a, let's call it, wide receiver three for this one. 100% trust. I love me some Cortland Sutton, and here's some numbers for you. You ready, Craig, for the numbers? I got the numbers. Uh, let's see, eight, seven, seven, nine, seven, eight. That's the game log for targets for him. He is getting targeted basically seven and a half to eight times every single game. That's the kind of guy you absolutely trust. Will it always come to fruition? Maybe not. But at the same time, when you look at the game log and you see those targets, you understand he's part of the offense. And that's what you're looking for, especially out of a wide receiver three. You can absolutely trust that because you can trust the volume at least will give you an opportunity of floor for the points. If he adds in a touchdown, he's got three touchdowns on the year over his first six games. And hey, that, that's fantastic. You'll take that. Right now, he's on pace too for probably somewhere around 70 catches and about a uh, thousand yards or so. That's a really good season from a wide receiver three. If he had six touchdowns, seven touchdowns, when everything is all said and done, we look up and say, wow, what a great year and what a great return on investment for Cortland Sutton. Yeah, Joe Flacco has some problems, but the matchup's good against the Chiefs. Uh, the talent is there. The upside, as you pointed out so astutely, for big plays is there as well. So I am all in all year. Cortland Sutton, baby. He should never come out of the lineup. Trust him. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, he, I think the Broncos, for Sutton to succeed, may need uh, a script of Kansas City taking a lead here because, as we saw last week, that was not the script for any of the wide receivers on Denver with them just running the ball into the ground and, uh, and Tennessee just giving the ball back constantly. All right. Um, second down. He still had our, seven targets, though. Just want to say. Yeah, but yeah. That's good. Result, results-based business, Joe. Results-based business. What was the, what was the result for, for Cortland Sutton last week? Uh, I just I just clicked off the game lock. You know, I just I just did four that catches. Uh, what was it? Five. Hold on, four. hold on, hold on. I'm good, but hold on. You hold your horses here. We're gonna we're gonna get it. Uh, four catches for seventy six. So in a full PPR, that's still eleven points. Did fine. Did fine. And that's pretty a, good. A wide receiver three. You'll take that this week. Too. Yeah. All right, Frank Gore versus Miami. You would you would think that this is a nice script for Gore to succeed. Peterson even rushed for a hundred yards against the Dolphins last week. Any reason not to trust Frank Gore this week? No. Uh, no, I can't. I can't think of a reason not to trust Frank Gore this week. Even if Devin Singletary plays at all, it doesn't matter because Gore has been the guy. And you would imagine they have a lead. He's also coming off a bye week, so you know that's that's important for the old legs. You know us old guys. We need a little uh, bye week once in a while. Get right. I know Craig likes to take a whole day off from talking to anybody. After a whole week of That's talking, true. he takes a whole day. That's true, actually. Like Saturday, I talk to no one, right? The family comes up to him, he just grunts at them. That's it's it. true. It, I get I get accused of that a lot. They're like, yeah, why are you so talkative? I'm like, yeah, I, I do this for a living. It's like, when I'm done, I'm done. So Do you feel like point. at the end of a day, I, I, I kind of have this too, where... Well, I you do a lot more shows than me, so I don't know. Like, That's I mean, right. I do work. You're right. I work a lot harder than you. That's true. But three shows, four show days. By the time I'm done, I really don't want to talk to anybody. Do you ever have a headache from your own voice sometimes? Yeah, I've had yeah that too. I do. Yeah, I yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most shows I'll do now in a day is three, and it only happens a couple days a week. Like, to, like for example, if I did, like, I have a, a baseball podcast, I have a video live stream, and I have this. And that all three of those things could happen in one day, but in general, they don't. So it's usually two. And look, going back to Frank Gore, is it going to be stunning productivity? Probably not. But I think the expectation would be somewhere around 14 carries, 75 yards, and probably a touchdown. And that's a really strong RB, too. That's even a low-end RB1, depending on how the week breaks. So I think you take that to the bank with Gore. And, uh, I mean, you absolutely trust him. All right, let's uh, let's move over to the Packers against the Raiders on Sunday. Uh, and, and basically, I'm throwing it out there here. Any wide receiver on Green Bay to start this week, trust or bust this week? Any wide receiver, pick them. No, 
No, I don't trust any of them. And Aaron Rodgers, more importantly, doesn't trust any of them. This is what I've learned. This is the biggest takeaway of watching that game on Monday night. And I know you were knee deep in the baseball Monday, but I'm watching this game. And man, the miserable look on Aaron Rodgers face. And I actually put this tomorrow. We'll talk about this in the 10 things I hate about fantasy football. It made the piece because Aaron Rodgers has zero trust, zero in his weapons right now. He's probably mad at Devontae Adams because he's not out there. He's mad at MVS because he fell. He's mad at Aaron Jones for dropping the football. You can see the hatred, the daggers in his stares at all of these guys when they come back to the huddle. And I understand the mentality. You're pissed off. You're, you're executed. You had time in the pocket. You threw the ball exactly where you're supposed to be, and the guy dropped it. I get that. But it seems to me this is a pretty young offense around him. And it seems to me that maybe, just maybe, they'd respond a little bit better with a little bit more of a positive kind of situation uh the the looks that he gives them the stares of death i don't think it's having a positive effect because if it did you would see allison and mvs having big games responding i don't think they seem like those kind of dudes just from the demeanor in the huddle and this is not going to show up in the box score this is one of the things you pick up from watching the games but to me i don't trust any of these pieces because i think it's inherently clear right now aaron Rodgers doesn't trust any of them jamal williams believe it or not I think is the most useful one because as a flex play, I think he's a perfect guy. You plug in there in a PPR and he's probably going to get double digit points just by accident. We'll talk about one of the options there. Alan Lazard coming up in the waiver wire segment. Uh, let's move on to the Bears and Saints game this week. And the Saints defense has been great, but it seems like Alan Robinson, regardless of who the quarterback is, gets his eight to ten points, maybe some more every week. Will that happen this week against the Saints? Do you trust Allen Robinson of the Bears this week against New Orleans? This is his toughest test because Marshawn Lattimore will be on him, and that's going to be tough. Um, Also, I believe, I don't think we've gotten official news on it, but it seems like Trubisky's working his way, but they have not named it officially. Am I correct in saying that at this point? I I have not heard anything other than Daniel is starting. Okay, so if Daniel is starting, and let's let's assume that we live in that world, so Daniel is starting. Um, The game log has been spectacular. It's really difficult on this week with four teams on a bye to sit Allen Robinson. But I think you have to look at the rest of your roster and go, okay, I'm going to play Robinson, but I have to dial back my expectations because my expectations basically are he's averaging somewhere around six catches and 65 yards or 70 yards per game. And that's, uh, you know, 13 points, 12 points, somewhere in that vein. So what you've got to figure out is maybe I need a little bit more boom in my lineup. Maybe I got to look at a flex play. Maybe it's a Will Fuller type guy or somebody like that that has huge game potential because I think that that normal floor is going to get cut into a little bit. So just keep that in mind. I don't think you can sit him, but I don't trust him to do what he's done all year. I think it's a tough spot for Daniel and it's a tough spot for uh, Allen Robinson with that matchup. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, but he just doesn't have, I, Anthony Miller was someone who I really liked, thought he was going to be a lot You're not better. the only one. There's a lot of people that like him as a talent, but they don't seem to be able to get him the football consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved him in college. Uh, okay. Uh, final one. I feel like we've had Michael Gallup on here a few times. It doesn't look good for Amari Cooper on Sunday, at least from some of the reports, but it's still Wednesday. So we don't know for sure. But Gallup, without Cooper playing the majority of the game last Sunday, didn't get his. I mean, do you put him in that same category of Allen Robinson where it's just boom or bust? Because I can't figure out what's going on with this guy. You know, the drops don't help last week, too. But I I can you can make excuses all over the place and and everything. But uh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one for me. I'm going to say trust, um, even though even though I think it's a difficult road without Amari Cooper. What has me very optimistic is how bad that Eagle secondary has been. 
the fact that uh, this game also uh, is a game that's very important for Dallas. It's at home. Um, so I'm going to trust Michael Gallup. I think he does have that big game potential in him. If it was a different team, if this was the Saints coming to town against the Cowboys again, I would say no, absolutely not. But the Eagles secondary, watching them against the Vikings and watching Kirk Cousins basically pick them apart, there's no reason why we can't look around and say, well, why can't Dak Prescott rebound and do the same thing? He absolutely can. Michael Gallup certainly has a talent. Now, he's got to catch the actual football. That helps. A couple key drops in that game on Sunday was not good. But you look at the game log, he's had some huge games. He's had some quiet games. I think you'll settle for something in the middle, and I would trust him because of the matchup this week. So that's where I lay with Michael Gallup. All right, Gallup will not be on the waiver wire, but there are plenty of folks who will need to hit that wire this week. We'll go over some options for you, some potential starters as the bye weeks are here, and so are some injuries. Fantasy Sports Today, Waiver Wire Wednesday is next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? It's hump day. Waiver Wire Wednesday. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. And it's time to dive into the waiver wire this week where there are some actual intriguing names more than usual. And it, it feels like it's been a while where we've been waiting for that boomer bust type running back or that extra wide receiver. But I think that there's a chance of that now happening uh, this week. And so, uh, Joe, we'll, we'll kind of go through some of these names that we put together here as far as uh, the waiver wire is concerned. And I'll start off with Daryl Henderson on the uh, Rams because you know, clearly at this point, Gurley's still questionable to play this week. Uh, Malcolm Brown didn't look great. Henderson, to me, looked very good. And this is just more of a situation where the opportunity is there. Like, it, 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 this could sit in front of him with 15, 20 carries. I saw a report last night also. I'm not sure about this that said that Malcolm Brown was banged up also. I, I don't even remember him being hurt in that game. But if Brown doesn't play, and this is Daryl Henderson and I guess John Kelly or someone else, man, like, I mean, this what a phenomenal matchup he would have this week. Well, look, you love the matchup. You love the potential for volume in those situations. So if Daryl Henderson's available, he's an absolute add and probably an immediate flex start under the circumstances. I mean, I'm kind of hard-pressed to think of a situation where you wouldn't want to take that chance, especially if Brown and Gurley are out. Now, the one problem is that their commitment has been very questionable to running the football all year. Last week, they tried to do a little bit more. They didn't really have the personnel to do it, nor... Was it the best matchup? Now, the Falcons are a totally different story. If you're going to get right in a run game, if you're going to get right at all, it's against the Falcons because that defense is an absolute joke. And they historically also struggle with guys who can catch the ball out of the backfield, which Henderson can do. So really, in theory, you're right. Everything, when you put the logic blocks together, means that Daryl Henderson should be a guy that gets you double-digit points and should be a very viable flex option at the very least. But... 
there's always that little inkling in the back of my head going, oh, but it's the Rams, and oh, man, they're maybe they're just going to completely air it out and not care again about the run game. So I think you add him. I think you're aggressive in adding him. I think you start him at flex, but I think you hold your breath a little bit because if you ask me to play trust or bust with him, I don't know if I'd have a good uh, good answer. Do you trust him? Because it feels like you are more bullish on him than I am. Yeah, I think that there's a chance that this becomes the, the player that changes your fantasy team. I mean, it, it, a lot would have to happen for it, but these are the kind of shots that I would take. This this is... I think you're right. In that this assessment. is a player that I that I watched because I watched that game closely last week. And when he touches the ball, he, he can go. I mean, it reminds me of Camaro a little bit. So, I, look, I don't know. Are you judging the talent and not taking enough account into the scheme or how they're running the team right now? No, because the reason okay. why they've been doing what they're doing is because Gurley's done. <laughs> That's the reason why they haven't been running the ball is because Todd Gurley is not the same guy. So they limited his touches because Todd Gurley is not healthy. And now maybe there is that chance that between Brown or maybe even Gurley and Henderson that we see more of a commitment to it. But I, I, I mean, trust or bust. I don't think the Rams trusted Gurley even going into the year, but they masked it pretty well, just like they masked it during the Super Bowl. Same thing. I mean, they, they told us that Todd Gurley was 100% healthy going into the Super Bowl, and yet C.J. Anderson was the one getting all the carries. So teams do a good job of hiding this stuff, and I just think that you get to this point in the season, and you have a player that looked like he did last week, and all you got to do is Google it or YouTube it. When you watch his runs, especially at the beginning, you, there's something there. There's something extra there. But again, they would have to commit to it like they did last week, and they would have to move away a little bit more from Malcolm Brown for this to happen. But I, these are the risks that I'm willing to take. And, and it's like a Moster-type risk. Like a guy, a guy last week that looks like he has a talent, but he needs the path, and now Henderson's path is becoming a little bit more clear. Chase Edmonds' uh, path was a little clearer last week for Arizona. Some people added him, some people didn't, but once the week moved on, and it looked like David Johnson was going to play. I think he, he still sat on the waiver wire, but he played well. He scored a touchdown. Actually ended up using him in a fantasy league last week. And I think that, Joe, if you have David Johnson, you must add this player. And even still, with the wasteland that is some of those backup running backs in the NFL, he is not a bad stash at this point. I think I'd add him, too. No, he's an excellent stash at this point. Um, the Two weeks ago, he had 11 touches last week. He had seven, but he made the most of them. He did have that touchdown. I think you're going to continue to see him being a part of this offense and being used because it seems to be working well. Right now, what they've got, and in the absence of Christian Kirk, I feel like Chase Edmonds kind of filled that role a little bit with a kind of, you know, little bubble screen kind of guy, the guy that you can get out there in space a little bit and give a little break, especially if you're trying to manage this back injury a little bit of David Johnson. Now, just because David Johnson played last week, doesn't mean he's 100% healthy. So let's shake that notion. And you're right. If you're a David Johnson owner, this is a must-add for you, an absolute must-add. Uh, the fact that he would even still be on the waiver wire right now would be shocking to me. But if he is, you add him anyway. And I think just like Daryl Henderson, he becomes immediately considered as a flex op option with this matchup against the Giants, a very bad defensive team. And there's even a chance that it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could have a, a significant lead because that Giants defense is so bad, I think, that you could even see more touches than you did last week for Chase Edmonds, potentially in the fourth quarter of this game in garbage time. So uh, I'm all for Chase Edmonds. How do you feel about him? Would you rather be starting Chase Edmonds with a secondary role or Daryl Henderson this week? 
I, I have to know what the personnel is going to be for the Rams before I make that decision, because if for some reason Gurley does play and is active and we find that out tomorrow or the next day, that clearly would change my opinion. Let's say Gurley active. Let's put it where both of these guys have another running back there uh, around them. If Gurley was active, I probably would go Edmonds. Okay. I think I agree with that. I would do the yeah, same. But if Gurley was inactive, it would definitely be Henderson, no matter what. I don't care what who the other running back is. I would I would play Henderson for sure. Uh, Benny Snell is my third one from the Steelers. He's it seems like he's inching closer and closer to playing time here. I'm not sure that it's going to happen because unfortunately for Snell and in terms of playing time, Joe, it happened at a, at a bye week situation. So, I mean, look, you give Connor two weeks to come back. I'm sure he'll be fine. But uh, I could see some goal line being mixed in a little bit here. And I think in dynasty leagues, for those people who didn't even pay any attention to him, I would just snag him and, and hope for something next year because I think Connor's come back to earth a little bit from his year last year. Uh, Snell's never going to be a great PPR guy. He's not going to catch a lot of passes. But uh, I, I definitely am, am bullish on him for the future, and I just hope that he gets the opportunity. I'm not sure that he will, but I do like the player. Well, with Samuel's out for a couple of weeks, even with the bye, when they come back, they're going to have the Dolphins, and they're going to be in Pittsburgh for that game. Then they have two more home games after that. So three straight home games after the bye. Uh, Colts coming into town and the Rams coming into town. I think Benny Snell is definitely a guy to add. Uh, he was on that list yesterday of guys who were under 60% owned. I think he was down in the 30s. And because Connor has had a history of injuries and also he's had the history of injuries even this year, small injuries he's played through, I think he's an absolute add because now that Jalen Samuels is out, Snell would immediately become the guy. And I do believe at this point the Steelers recognize their best chance to win football games is to run the hell out of the football, play defense, and let the game come to them, and, and hopefully they end up with Ws. I think that's their identity. That's where they are right now, and that's where they should be right now. And Benny Snell, like you said, had a good college career. There's no reason why he can't get 10 carries in a game, and James Conner will still be the man. But in a deeper league, Benny Snell is an absolute guy that you should have on your roster at this point. I agree with this one. This one I would also be aggressive on because at least for the next couple of weeks with buys is another guy you could throw in as a flex play. Potentially. I think he's going to get a fair amount of action against the dolphins. Don't you? I would think so. And also given the fact that the Steelers are off, it puts you in a good position because some owners will just ignore him uh, because he can't play for you right. this week. So you'll probably get him cheaper than you normally would. Yeah, I would or he if, might even if, get dropped by somebody that picked him up last week. Even yeah. go, oh, you know, like, yeah, I, they I, could I be too. get somebody, yeah. you know, it's tough. All right. So this receiver on Green Bay that scored a touchdown, Alan Lazard, uh, Matt LaFleur after the game uh, for the Packers, the head coach, when he was asked about that, it looked like on the sidelines that Rodgers was pushing for Lazard to come in the game. LaFleur gave a sheepish answer saying you could say that. So basically that means that Rodgers demanded this dude gets in the game, threw right to him, scored a touchdown. I got to tell you, I think that if I needed a wide receiver, I absolutely would take a stab here. It is Aaron Rodgers. You never know how things can go over the course of the year. And at this point, Allison is not the answer. Valdez Scanling is not the answer. Jimmy Graham, by the way, a tight end is not the answer either. I don't care how many times they throw to this guy. He is. I, I think this is the end for him. So, uh, I mean, could he could he fill that Jordy Nelson role with slower Jordy Nelson? I, I don't know. But I, I, I definitely if I was in need of a receiver, I would at least kick the tires here to see what he ends up doing this week, because there's no doubt that Rodgers is controlling a lot of that offense. 
Well, look, I, this kind of goes back to the earlier rant I had about Aaron Rodgers not liking any of the toys that he has. He's like the petulant child who's like, no, you gave me all these toys and I don't like them anymore. I don't want to play with this toy, that toy, this toy's stupid. And that's kind of what I feel like he's going through. And if Lazard is the toy, this is fine. Now, this is more of a – I don't think this is a 12-team play yet. I just can't get there. But from a snap count standpoint and things like that, if that changes significantly, okay. I understand – in a deeper league, getting involved in this now for the upside of it to see. But the assumption is Devontae Adams eventually does come back and play, and that will then push this guy back to the whatever bench role. He was an undrafted free agent out of Iowa. Um, did you get to see any of him at all? In the Never knew his play? name. Never knew okay. his name. Yeah. Now, they were big into the tight end over there at the same time. So I imagine that's probably why you never knew his name, right? Yeah, no, I, I had no clue of him. But, you know, you and I won't see this way. I think in a 12-team league, I absolutely, if if I had an extra spot, I would put him on the team just to see. Because, again, if... if I'd have if, to be desperate for... If people are owning Adam Humphreys at this point, and people are owning, I don't know, who's another one of these? Uh, Cole Beasley, okay, at this point, done with him probably too. I, I would at least own this guy just to see what would end up happening. I would. I, I I don't know what the future will hold, but if Alan Lazard, Joe, this week catches five balls for 50 yards, you will not be able to get him for free the following week. Someone is going to snatch this guy up because he'll be in a, in a PPR. He'll be a good option. Now, look, but I think I, that's I all he is. You. I don't think he's more than that, but that's what I think <sighs> he is. I, I, understand. I understand that there's that small possibility. And I think you have to look at your roster and be honest. And if you're in a must-win week where you're down already and you're just down and out, I think you take the flyer and you see what happens and maybe you get lucky. But I don't know. I, I just I, It's hard to get excited about a guy. And I, we do this a lot sometimes because a guy came out of nowhere and caught a touchdown and, oh, that's awesome, that's terrific. And then you think he's going to be the next guy and how often do we see people overspend? I just don't want people to overspend on this thinking it's, this is the it's, answer. It's not an, it's it's not an not overspend. It's, it's it. Listen, McLaurin, nobody had a clue and, and look what he ended up doing. There's if there's no risk involved, even in a 12 team league, just put him at the end of the bench. And then if he does nothing, then cut him the following week. There's no risk. No one's jumping to pick this guy up this week. Speaking uh, of uh, Jimmy Graham real quick too. I'm curious. You know, when you look at Jimmy Graham's numbers, like touchdown tolls and stuff like that, man, they stack up really well against the all-time great tight ends. But do you think of Jimmy Graham as a Hall of Fame tight end? He only had like two or three great years. You're just compiling, right? No, I don't think so. No. And it's now, is this fourth team or third team? Uh, Let's see. Saints, Packers, Seahawks. uh, Is that it? Those three? I thought there was something else. That could be it. That could be it. Uh, Good player. No, I I would not. I would not put him in the Hall of Fame. No, it would not be for me. Uh, all right, let's do this. Uh, best of first hour coming up next. Coming up in hour number two, we'll go through some of the news and notes. Also, some updated NFL props, including the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Some potential trade targets as well. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Are you judging the talent and not taking enough account into the scheme or how they're running the team right now? No, because the reason okay. why they've been doing what they're doing is because Gurley's done. <laughs> That's the reason why they haven't been running the ball is because Todd Gurley is not the same guy. So they limited his touches because Todd Gurley is not healthy. And now maybe there is that chance that between Brown or maybe even Gurley and Henderson that we see more of a commitment to it. But I, I, I mean, trust or bust. I don't think the Rams trusted Gurley even going into the year, but they masked it pretty well, just like they masked it during the Super Bowl. Same thing. I mean, they, they told us that Todd Gurley was 100% healthy going into the Super Bowl, and yet C.J. Anderson was the one getting all the carries. So teams do a good job of hiding this stuff, and I just think that you get to this point in the season, and you have a player that looked like he did last week, and all you got to do is Google it or YouTube it. When you watch his runs, especially at the beginning, you, there's something there. There's something extra there. But again, they would have to commit to it like they did last week, and they would have to move away a little bit more from Malcolm Brown for this to happen. But I, these are the risks that I'm willing to take. And, and it's like a Moster-type risk. Like a guy, a guy last week that looks like he has a talent, but he needs the path, and now Henderson's path is becoming a little bit more clear. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today, hour number two, if you're listening live. Or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today.